Welcome to Coaching the Whole Educator, the podcast that helps instructional coaches, teacher leaders, and school leaders. I'm Becca, former educator and school coach turned transformational coach of coaches. I'm on a mission to help you improve your educators' effectiveness and resilience, especially the ones who need it most. Each week, we'll cover quick tips, strategies, and coaching mindsets so that you can be on top of your coaching game. Are you ready? Let's dive in. Hello, 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 coaches and leaders. I am so excited. I have a dear friend and leadership colleague on with me today, Brandon Coffey. We're going to have such an interesting conversation about why being busy can actually negatively impact your leadership effectiveness. So first of all, I wanted to welcome you to the show, Brandon. Thank you. It is a pleasure being here with you, Becca. This conversation sprang to my head because of a yoga incident. So um, just so everyone knows, um, Brendan also on the side of of being a leader of leaders, he um, teaches yoga. So I'd called you after my yoga incident to share with you about it. Um, And we were talking about some of the similarities of the experience of doing yoga with uh, leadership, right? And there's kind of those 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 cross dynamics. And so I want to share with everyone what happened, what this incident was. Yesterday, I went to a yoga class, and um, I have not gone for probably seven months. I'm not a regular yoga goer. I I resist it uh, tremendously, and I decided my body was tight and I needed to do some stretching. So I went to a yoga class. And what happened, what ensued uh, was an extreme amount of noise in my head. And I became so judgmental of myself and the people around me, uh, including the class leader, right? And in in day-to-day life, I really, I'm a trained coach. Like I've learned how to manage and notice my own judgments. But for some reason in yoga, it's like throwing kerosene on my teeny tiny flicker of a fire. That's usually the amount of judgments I have. It was like a bonfire of judgments. And anyone that was in my line of sight got judged everyone, including myself, which was the, the main event of judgment was myself. And it just was so wild being in my head during that entire very uncomfortable hour. And so I wanted to talk with you about why that happens in in, in yoga. I'm not, I'm not trying to share with any of the listeners that you too should do yoga. Um, but, but what it actually has to do with leadership, my experience. I think that is, I think it's very, very normal. And a lot of people experience it, uh, including yours truly. Absolutely. Yes. And that's why I, I tend to second guess when people are like that yoga class was incredible. And I'm like, well, that I was in the same yoga class and that was unbearable and really unpleasant because all, first of all, it felt like it was four hours long. Second of all, I I was asked to do things both physically and emotionally that like I really don't want to do. And then it is fascinating to, as you mentioned, watch what happens in, Mm -hmm. in your, in your space when you are put into those uncomfortable situations. And then of course the natural question arises is like, well, why would you put yourself 
intentionally, <laughs> voluntarily in these really uncomfortable situations. And because here's the thing about life and particularly leadership, especially if you embrace it, you will be in uncomfortable situations. You will be forced into them unexpectedly, right? And I think that I find yoga to be a little bit of the rehearsal mm-hmm. to, to know the way that we react and to begin to strengthen that endurance muscle so that we can recognize in different contexts when it's happening and maybe begin to try and lean into some of those same muscles that we've built in yoga. So that's why most people say like yoga is a practice rather than like a hobby, right? Because hobbies are usually enjoyable. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And again, that's why it's never, it's a practice. You'll never like be able to check the box and say like, well, and that's the last time I ever judged myself or anybody else. You know, the thing that yoga symbolized for me yesterday, right? I had to get quiet. I had to sit with my thoughts so one was the noticing. I, I, I'm a very busy person, as I imagine all of the people listening to this podcast are very busy people. So stopping for an entire hour, a very quiet hour and being with my thoughts is not a typical thing that I do. So here I am being with my thoughts and, um, it, it something you said yesterday, but like it's rehearsal for being with discomfort. And it made me think about like leadership, right? Like I go, I go into schools, all different schools in all different states and internationally, and work with lots of different coaches and leaders around the world. And, and I was like, why doesn't why does what happened yesterday not happen to me in those meetings? And I think part of it is I, I'm good at what I do. And and I'm, I'm I'm not trying to brag. I just think like I don't actually experience that level of discomfort when I'm working because I'm decent at what I do, right? So it's only because you and I have talked, and I'm sure your listeners are aware that we that that the growth versus fixed mindset is something that mm-hmm. we that is so unbelievably apparent. The first couple of times you were in those rooms, even though years later, now you're super comfortable and you're super confident and you know what to expect, right? The first couple of times you're in those rooms, right? That was probably very uncomfortable for you. Mm -hmm. And so Mm -hmm. it's that exact same space where you recognize like, I'm not good at this, or this is outside of my comfort zone. And it is the willingness to exactly like what you're saying is to stay in that discomfort until it becomes comfortable. Yeah, and I, I, I'm realizing again the the discom- like years ago when I would start with a lot of these schools, like I'm sure I felt discomfort back then. So there's a couple of things I want to share about what you just said. One was before my yoga class yesterday, I wanted to suddenly do the dishes, mop the floors, <laughs> do my laundry. I was like, look at all this stuff I could do instead of going to yoga. I had it mapped out, and then I was like, nope. You're going to do this, Becca. You're going to go to yoga class. And I knew, I knew it was going to be uncomfortable, right? The level of discomfort, I don't think I was ready for, but I knew it was going to be uncomfortable. It's all of the backup stuff that you can obsess over Mm -hmm. because that space is not where you want to be. It's uncomfortable, right? So this is, and again, none of this is bad. I personally, I find it fascinating Mm -hmm. to just try and begin to map it out so that, again, you can start to find parallels between that and how you show up as a leader, how you show up Mm -hmm. as a family member, as a friend, as a community member, and recognize for both good and 
opportunity, um, you know, what that might mean for you. Right. Right. And I, I just think about the opportunity, um, that, that creating that space and our very busy lives could provide for leaders, like things like finding creative solutions to problems you haven't been able to solve all school year, or, you know, having compassion for the person that was driving you nuts all year. (laughs) We could definitely wander into the concept of like organizational mindfulness and how Mm -hmm. mindfulness can be, can or cannot be actually integrated with part of a culture Mm -hmm. rather than Mm -hmm. just done on an individual level. And sometimes how, even if you're trying to cultivate mindfulness in your own space, how the different organizations and social groups and, and other, that type of thing interact with that. But that's probably a, another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And you know, it's interesting. You brought up, I was thinking about the word mindfulness. Um, mindfulness in education has become this very interesting word. And in a, in, a, in some ways it can be uh, divisive. Um, it, it's become... Some people are like, yes, totally bought into mindfulness. Yes, I love it. It is, you know, so teachers bring it to their classrooms. And some folks are like, absolutely not. And I see them glaze over the moment someone says mindfulness. It's become this like little fluffy thing for some folks where it's like, eh, like, is it like touchy-feely and a waste of time because we're not getting stuff done? And, and so I actually steer away from the term mindfulness, even though that's exactly what you and I are talking about. Right. I just don't use that term because I think it's misunderstood. I think it's the exact same thing in the corporate world. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, In the sense that, like, I think that it has been a very grudging journey um, Mm -hmm. for even the most um, analytical minds to recognize that there is something to it. It feels fluffy. It feels like, uh, uh, yeah, like a waste of time. But I think that just like with anything else, both ends of the spectrum are arguably wrong. I think most of the most uh, more mature organizations that I've worked with, it's it's somewhere in the middle and it's finding mm-hmm. where that, where it belongs and where, and just like any other ingredient in a recipe, how much of it is right for this circumstance. Circumstance, yeah. So you, I, I am actually curious what organizational mindfulness is. I think that some of the more mature organizations that I've seen have that impulse to be like, oh my goodness, um, you know, we're gonna we're 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 going through a recession, or there's a recession on the horizon, right? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Okay, well, I can. I can just go with my autopilot and and overcorrect or make some really, you know, uh, or I can, oh my goodness, are you ready? I can sit with this discomfort, mm-hmm. right? Like it is not pleasant to consider a downturn in the economy. It's not pleasant to consider being laid off. It's not, con- it's not pleasant to consider any of these things. Mm-hmm. But if I have developed however, whatever it looks like, right? But if I've developed that ability to be okay with the discomfort Mm -hmm. and maybe to have a very uncomfortable conversation within my leadership team, right? Mm -hmm. And this is where where the magic happens, right? Mm -hmm. Where where if you can can listen to like an executive team or a leadership team or, you know, whatever, whatever the team looks like, right? Where it's like, you can actually track the tolerance for discomfort in a conversation, Mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Where it's, Mm well, we should do this, mm-hmm. right? That That's exactly what we've talked about, right? Where it's like, we should just shut it down, right? And we should mm-hmm. make, some, we should take action right now 
to get to that certainty that we so crave. Right. Um, And that could be layoffs. That could be um, investments. That could be any, like there's all sorts of actions that a company could take that appear in their brains. They could say like, well, this is my logical path to getting out of the discomfort. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Right. Long story short is it's all the same it's all the same framework, just mm-hmm. instead of at the ind- individual level, it definitely mm-hmm. happens at the team and the organization level. Yeah. And I think about like to just translate where you're talking about layoffs and all that, that, you know, we in the education system, we're dealing with teacher turnover, right? Teacher shortages, right? So what if we actually created space and sat in the discomfort of what we're doing isn't working? That's uncomfortable, right? And to not continue doing that so we could actually be proactive about teachers staying and thriving in our schools, right? And I don't I don't have all the answers, right? People are like, well, what's the answer, right? And that's that the point of this episode is that the answers can be inside of us. And the way you find them is by being still, it's not all the rushing around and do, 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 do. And I need answers now. Mm-hmm. I think that for the most part, we are competent. We are capable. You know, we will get to the answer. It's just a matter of how <laughs> unpleasant do we want to make it for ourselves during the journey? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I think we'll get to that answer one way or the other, right? I mean, mm-hmm. the, the sun will come up tomorrow. No, no, you know, mm-hmm. it's fine. Um, it's just how many, how, how, frustrated do we want to get in that in that process yeah and especially my coaches and and my instructional leaders too when you're working with teachers um we just uh 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 released a, an episode on coaching versus consulting and mm. the differences right consultants come in have the expertise i'm going to tell you right and that's that's more comfortable that's easier it's easier to be like i will tell you what to do <laughs> and uh it is less comfortable to ask questions not know sometimes you don't know what the answer is going to be or how we're going to get to the solution right that can be uncomfortable but to be able to be with the discomfort so that teachers can feel honored as professionals so that we can have more compassion for people that are different than us, think different, are motivated differently than us, right? So that our teachers can stay and thrive. Like that's the end goal here, right? You and I are not talking about sitting still and being in the space of discomfort because of some (laughs) woo-woo explanation. Yeah. Yeah, Because we just like being uncomfortable. Yeah. No, 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 no. (laughs) There's real results that can be produced from this. Um, and real effectiveness that can skyrocket because of this. <laughs> I think that your effectiveness at a leader, excuse me, your effectiveness as a leader is closely linked mm-hmm. with your tolerance for discomfort. So however it is that you, so mm-hmm. Becca and I have shared, you and I have shared, right? Uh, you know, I don't like, I don't love meditation. I don't really even love yoga, but hey, I still do it. Actually, I mean, I do like yoga because whatever, but there are many other things out there that can help you grow your tolerance for discomfort. So if it's not yoga, it's not meditation, whatever, right? Um, I, I would I would strongly encourage anybody listening to 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 find what works for them so that that you can start growing that muscle. Mm. 
So powerful. Like I felt that. That was so powerful. Oh my gosh. (laughs) So thank you so much for being on the podcast with me sharing with the listeners everything that you know. I love the way that you think. It is so unique and special. Um, And I I just appreciate you being here. As always, it's lovely speaking with you. And uh, and I I thank you and, and your listeners. And if you have enjoyed listening to this episode, feel free to leave us a rating in your podcast platform, as well as feel free to leave us a review. We would love feedback from the listeners. Also, feel free to reach out to us if you have any questions or need support around anything. Our contact information is in the show notes. And until next time, just remember, don't treat people the way you want to be treated. Treat them how they want to be treated. Take care.